Alright, Josh. Run down the case for me. Yes, Aaron. We have reports that not only there have been Planeswalker Sparks in the Forgotten Realms, but we also have reports of the Forgotten Realms expanding into the plains of Strixhaven, Theros, and Ravnica! Dear Ugin, there's only one plane with the answers. The Realm of the Dungeons and Gatherers Podcast. Dungeons and Gatherers podcast, and on today's pod, we're doing the Dungeons and the Gatherers part. We're talking about D&D and MTG, and a topic that I know we've talked about doing since the very beginning of this podcast. I think it's on our original notes board, if I'm not mistaken. Boy, yeah, it's in that weird Google Doc of like, what all can we talk about? I know, it's finally come time to talk about the connection between the two. Which, like, I I feel like we talk about every time. But specifically this time, we're going to talk about Plane Shift, which is a series of, like, little PDFs you can find on the internet. That's, like, how to run a D&D setting in um, a Magic the Gathering world in one of the many planes of the multiverse. And more than anything, I think this is really arriving because we are now getting more source books of the MTG worlds in Dungeons and Dragons with the third one just coming out last December and we're also going to get more D&D card sets in Magic the Gathering so the branches are becoming official finally rather than just these plane shift which are not technically within the core rulebook sets of the Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. canon. Yes, they are a little homebrewy thing, but we love them nonetheless. Exactly. So we're talking Plane Shift, and we're also going to talk about the ones that we want to see become official content. So Aaron, you got the Plane Shifts going. Is there a certain Plane Shift you want to start with here? Of the already published Plane Shifts, and published is like a loose term here, the ones that they already typed up, I mean... It should come as no surprise. I want to go to Zendikar. There it is. I mean, also, just I think Zendikar, the return to Zendikar set was when they, like, brought in the party mechanic, and they made it very clear that, like, it's an adventurer's paradise, you know? Yeah. So it seems like a perfect place to have, like, a real D&D adventure, because we've already got, like, the D&D theme in the cards. It's super cool! There's, like... There's treasure, and there's ruins, and there's, like, deep ancient mysteries, and huge monsters, and all kinds of wild magic. It would be great, and I would love it. I agree with you. I mean, the landscape is really fun within the world of Zendikar. And also, Magic the Gathering, we thought, was going to continue the party mechanic in the Forgotten Realms set, and they never mm-hmm. did. So maybe this is the only Which, that lifeline. don't make no damn sense. Right, no <laughs> sense at all. Like, they introduced it, and they're like, nah, maybe this year with uh, the Baldur's Gate expansion of MTG. Who knows? But you're absolutely right. I think then the party mechanic in the Zendikar cards means that we have to use it in D&D. Absolutely. What about you, Josh? What do you think? So, I was looking around at the ones that were already published, and I will say out of the ones that I saw that were already published, I do really like Amonkhet. I think it's just a really fun world, and also you're getting into more colors that way rather than just dualities. You kind of dig into deep, and as we talked about in the Color Wheel episode... I just think that makes for better flavor, the more colors you mix together. It definitely gives you a lot of variety. You know, there's only so many ways you can spin a two-color combo, I think, on the color wheel. 
but whenever you get to three it's like well which one is like prominent and which two are like you know there's like some very interesting dynamics there the other thing that's cool about Amonkhet is like it's such a religious space. They like made some more cleric domains um, in yeah. this little little unearthed arcana thing for it, which I think is super cool. And I I love the gods of Amonkhet. I think they're they're dope. Maybe that's secretly I why I like there. it because more clerics. Yeah. that's you know just secretly mm, me pushing well, for my favorite class. It's not a secret, Josh. You're always pushing the cleric. No, agenda. I'm not very outright about it. Life clerics and grave <laughs> clerics are the best. They're great, and all clerics are good. Okay, got all right, that. All right, all right, all right, all right, all yeah. right. Let's roll it back. Then. Okay, fine. <laughs> Cut. Now, um, I will say though, Aaron, there is um one that I would really love to see get into mm-hmm. the core world and you're gonna say josh you monster why would you dare say this and then i'm oh, going don't to explain do myself it. i'm gonna Stop. do it i'm gonna do it you ready Leave me alone you ready here it is yeah mm-hmm. Acoria. i know yeah i did it i know you would say it now let me you suck let me tell you why let me tell you why all right because i think that there's something cool with it being an adventure where there are such big monsters involved like, we're talking, like, gargantuan threats here. Godzilla-level monster threats to deal with. Which I think is even, like, crazier than a lot of D&D monsters from time. Like, to think in that size perspective. To think that, like, the Tarrasque is walking around yeah. all the time. like Just, like, chilling. Oh, no, that ain't good. And this is my other thought. I think there could be a really cool concept with evolving the ranger through this, with, like, animal companionship, but also maybe adding a class that involves a concept of mutation. Like, really getting into subclassing of, like, you find this deep, dark um, black magic within um, this world, and you begin to mutate, like, the creatures around you. And I think that would be cool to have, like, almost an evolve mechanic on certain classes. I don't know. I, I got all these cool ideas for it, but I just think it's a really fun world to play with that. Right, yeah. Um, I know in like past source books, like I'm thinking about Ravnica, like I always Good am. Book. And like the Simic hybrid um yeah background or race you can take sort of gives you some of those abilities. But I think it would be cool to sort of like de- delve into that. I know in, in like one one shot I built a um Path of the Beast Barbarian who was also a Simic hybrid. Mm. And it was neat to sort of play that sort of like mutant thing but a lot of it sort of was redundant and a lot of my class features were actually features I already had from my race so it would be cool yeah to just like purely get like this is your trajectory you know because even the beast barbarian is not quite as much of a mutant as I would like it to be yeah I think uh, mutation is a cool thing and I always laugh at like the blood hunter mutant is like mm-hmm. such a bad subclass and I feel as though that was like one of the things we're like oh no here's our mutation quality like no the mutagen doesn't work so I don't know everybody thinks I mean I think it's interesting that's the one that's like you take all these potions yeah. right yeah but it's bad boo <laughs> we want more lycanthropy things that turn you into horrid monsters maybe that's just me yeah I don't know the blood hunter I think I think it's probably one of those things that's hard to balance, if I had to guess. That's a good point. Or hard to, like, part of D&D is about specialization, right? Because that's why you have a party. You all, like, cover each other's weaknesses, and you're all good at, like, specific things. So if you play a mutant, someone who can sort of adapt to every situation, I can imagine that being a bit, like, not fun for other people, you know? That's fair. If you have an answer for truly everything, it's a bit 
it can be a bit sad. No, you're for right. Else. That's a good point. I, I think that's why when it comes to the lycanthropy class, it has to have such a negative downside to it because you know, turning into a monster, there's power there. It's like a true polymorph. There's certainly power there, and it is also a bit untamed, which I think is like the allure. That's why people like it. Yeah, definitely. So we'll see if mutation ever happens. I don't think they're ever going to do that with Ikoria, but I'd like to see it. Who knows? I mm-hmm. could dream. Uh, a man can dream. We can all dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Aaron, I know that you were talking about Zendikar, which has a plane shift book to it, correct? Yes. Yes, it is. Is there one that hasn't had a book yet that you are interested in them diving into? The one that sticks out to me right now is um, just because I'm like very excited for and anticipating the new Kamigawa set. Oh, yeah. And I think it would be super cool to have like a cyberpunk D&D setting, you know, that was like, because I'm already, you know, like I'm playing in Eberron and it's like cool and steampunk, but I'd like to like just take it like a, like another step. And, and get to play around with that and have D&D sort of readdress some of their, like, sci-fi stuff that they talk about in the DM's guide. Thank you for you know? bringing it up. I was just about to say because it's <laughs> such a weird, like, I forget if it's, like, a half a page or, like, one page. It's, like, maybe two pages, but like, maybe. It's, like, yeah. it's just, like, here's what a laser gun would be. And, like, that's, like, about mm-hmm. it. And they're, like, yeah, you could use jetpacks, too. Like, I think they're aware that people want to do, like, a lot with D&D. But mm-hmm. clearly, like, I don't know, there's not enough to give, like, cyber anything in D&D. So. Yeah, no, D&D is really not quite the, the whole, like, if you want to do a cyber RPG, like, there are other things you can play. Yeah, play 2022. And the urge. Yeah, like, once you get the plane shift spell, haha, literally, which is why these things are called plane shift, like, there's no reason why you can't encounter other planes of existence outside of just what's represented in you know dungeons and dragons it's a really good way to dip their toes into being cyber as well because mm-hmm. i know that a lot yeah. of people in mtg were nervous because they're like oh i don't know like i don't want any like when the walking dead set came out they're like oh, right. there's a honda in the background how how <laughs> dare there be a, a honda in the background of right. this but i think Kamigawa, it's like a really nice step into the sci-fi fantasy of it. Mm-hmm. And also, sorry, yeah, everyone. Very, I s- very magically based. I said play 2022. I meant to say play Cyberpunk 2020. That's the official name of the game. So my apologies. I don't want anyone ripping me in the comments for that. So play Wait, Cyberpunk 2020. What? <laughs> sorry. So I said earlier, like uh, Cyberpunk, I, if you want that play 2022, but I forgot that the tabletop game is Cyberpunk 2020. I had the year wrong oh, on it, which gotcha, we're already gotcha. past that year. So, you know, it's kind of dumb. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to play 2020. Exactly. They knew it. They knew it was going to be a horrid time. They, they mm-hmm. predicted it back then. But no, yeah, Kamigawa, great way to get it. And we have Erfinity coming out, too. Which is another weird D or sorry, weird Magic the Gathering set that's dealing with uh, very sci-fi fantasy themes in it. So I think maybe this is a sign that D and D will try to do something similar since they are sister companies or sister mm-hmm. names underneath one company. Right. Yeah. They they fall under one big Wizards of the Coast umbrella. Yeah. Which also um cool little pivot to some D and D type things that I might like to see as magic cards. Ooh. Um, I was thinking how, like, I would love to delve more into, like, the astral plane. Maybe do, like, a whole set of cards with, like, the gith and, 
you know, more mind flayers and like, yeah. you know, astral dreadnoughts and like all of those like cool space things. Totally. I completely mm-hmm. get that. I mean, like, I feel as though D&D doesn't even dive into it that much. Like the mind flare shows up and then you're like, oh, they're from space. And then like the conversation ends there. It's never further like, well, what else is in space? Mm-hmm. And I always wonder, like, can you make a rocket ship in D&D and go to the astral plane? Is the astral plane really just, like, space to us? Or is it actually, like, another fragment of existence, you know? Like, if you keep going up, what happens? So, in theory, based on uh, the, the shifting of planes within D&D, you would need more power than just a rocket ship. Like, spoiler alert for everyone there, if you play uh, Candlekeep Destructicon... Or oh, Deconstruction, right. or however you say the weird K name in the uh, the mm-hmm. title. Uh, the whole plot of it is about them building a rocket ship to go to space. But they do mention at some point that it isn't enough to just blast into space, not enough power or energy to transfer into another plane, that you're just kind of stuck in space space. Okay, real space. Yeah. So real space also exists. Yeah, yeah. And also there is the astral plane. Yes. Uh, yeah, I just, I never considered it. Yeah, mm, and also- That's if, cool. If I have that wrong, somebody let me know, but I'm pretty sure that is the- Yeah, the light case. Josh up in the comments. Yeah, just- Drag him on Twitter. Drag me for cyberpunk. And new Dr- Instagram. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, we forgot to announce it. We should have announced it at the beginning mm. of the pod. Well, guess what, folks? We're burying the lead. Yeah, exactly. Once again. <laughs> hey, Aaron. I want to see new updates about the Dungeons and Gatherers podcast, but I don't want to look at it on just Twitter. Is there somebody else, somewhere else I could look? Twitter's the worst. I know. If only. Also, I can't read. Um. Exactly. I need all my information through pictures. Shit. Is there a picture social media site? Boy, is there. <gasps> Have you heard of Instagram? Instagram, but I didn't think the Dungeons and Gatherers were on Instagram. Oh yeah, not only are Josh and Aaron both individually on Instagram to follow for your own chuckles, now we also have an official D&D Gatherers Instagram account where we can just post unadulterated nerdy shit all the time without bothering our friends. Oh, well that's a big win right there. Yes, marvelous. And the good news is we will have a link to the new Instagram page in the bio for this wow. podcast. Look at us. New year. I know. New year. I'm feeling great. As you know, I um, uh, one of our Instagram posts is that I'm now playing 7th C with uh, the people at Bits Before Crits. So Dean know, Beckwith look and at all you. that, which is really fun. Yeah. Yarmy. Yarmy mateys. But you were talking about the D&D in the card sets of MTG. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to yeah. continue on that where I had a thought recently. Something occurred to me. Very dangerous. As I stared into the astral plane... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, contemplated the great mysteries of the world. I looked at the Forgotten Realms set, and then I realized <laughs> that the next thing that's going to come out is the Baldur's Gate Commander Deck Precons. Yes. And then I thought to myself, that is a nice way to do it. Breaking it down a little more, because the Forgotten Realms is kind of big. The Forgotten Realms is basically all of Dungeons & Dragons. Exactly, unless you're talking about Greyhawk or something. Sure, it's like, it's not Eberron. But it's yeah, everything else. Exactly. And I was thinking the best things to do then is similar to a plane transferring to a core book. It should be a core book transferring to a plane. So I want to see mm. like Curse of Strahd 
the D and D. Yeah, set. or like Van Richten's Guide. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that is the flavor it needs too. Like I like how each plane mm-hmm. in MTG is a very specific like. Oh, Innistrad, spooky vampires, werewolves, uh, mm-hmm. Strixhaven, uh, Magic College, University, like Forgotten Realms. When that set came out so expansive you're talking oh, yeah. mind flares to oozes to classic D adventures from the hall of champions to mm-hmm. a little halfling at a bar oh yeah no it was huge covers so and to much. have to have cards from all, like all 13 of the classes you know yeah. or however many classes there are i don't i don't remember. think blood hunter or uh artificer made it in sadly so only of 12 not. yeah <laughs> but i totally agree i think Something like that might be a bit more manageable. Or even taking, like, different planes within D&D that we haven't really explored, you know? Like, I was thinking about what if you do a whole um, set or, like, companion sets like they did with Innistrad, right? Yeah. That was, like, you do one about one of the planes of order and one about one of the planes of chaos, you know? So then you sort of get, like, a block that's, like... You've got like um like the clockwork soul sorcerer kind of order stuff, and then on the other side is like the wild magic like chaos side. No surprise, I'm always thinking about the sorcerer. Honestly, and we've already talked about it on the pod. The clockwork soul sorcerer is just so cool, so I completely oh, understand it's awesome. that. We love it, and I can't wait to play one. You know, inevitably, all D and D players get to a certain level, and they deal with these higher plane things. And I think it's not like terribly common knowledge amongst the D and D community because it is such an end game kind of world mm-hmm. that you talk about. So it would be nice for MTG to expand upon the huge lore of D&D when it comes to all of these planes that exist. But, you know, we're going to see what happens. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. And this is also to say, um, when I was looking through for our last podcast about, like, what are people looking forward to? One of the YouTubers that was in this compilation was like, I can't wait for more, like, crossover source books. Like, blah 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 and he listed a bunch and he's like i'm just kidding we don't need any more of those and i was like really sad about that wait (laughs) so like i understand not everything needs to be crossover but like we like both things why not have some of it you know i'm not saying that the future of magic the gathering is all D &D crossover sets but it's nice to pepper them in now and again no definitely and you know this might come off as a hot take so Get yeah. ready, everybody, to roast I'm me ready. on We're Twitter. We're spicy today. Or, we got hot takes. Uh, we got spice. Or you could roast me on Instagram, though, because that is an option that mm-hmm. we have. I really think, I've talked to a couple people about this. The Forgotten Realms is amazing. It's, it's a huge piece of lore. But it's so big that I feel as though I've never heard many people taking time to break down the lore of the Forgotten Realms terribly much. As much as they- I actually have, like, no idea what happens in, like, the overarching lore of the Forgotten Realms. Which is, like, totally valid, I think. And I think when you do things like these MTG source books, the world is so fresh. Like, people Mm -hmm. love Ravnica. And Uh, I think I've talked to many people who don't play MTG, and they're like, the lore is just so amazing, and, like, the guilds of the world- Mm-hmm. And people could fight me on this one. I really think the MTG books bring in these really amazing flavors to D&D. Oh, absolutely. And it's a lot of flavor that, like, if you're just playing Magic the Gathering for, like, not for the story and not for, like, the what the, like, the cool flavor parts of the cards, you probably won't care. But it's awesome to get to, like, read the flavor text and of a card and then be like, now I'm thinking about, like, 
this adventure I'm running in Ravnica and like, you know, getting to like marry those two together and see things, you know, like even just seeing card art in the Ravnica book, I think is so cool. It's such a fun thing to get to see that. And especially also the other way around too. It works both ways. Like I love seeing Mm -hmm. the, the Dritz art crossover into the MTG card or the Bruno battle art. Like it's just so much fun to see because I don't know. It's all fantasy, right? And when we play MTG, we like to envision, I at least do this, like what, I don't know, this card attacking that card looks like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think of like summoning all my creatures like, you know, like I'm a mage and I'm pulling this creature from another dimension to go do my bidding. You know, like I see vast armies of creatures. Yeah, so we deserve to then have the want where we're like, I want this to play out like a D&D adventure. Mm-hmm. And I even think it's as simple as like when you're doing something in D&D combat, it's kind of fun to see it in the reverse in a card setting. Like getting to watch uh, a uh, just a regular cleric hit the field and then you cast a power word kill on them. You know, like there's just mm-hmm. like a fun lore thing just within the card play. Right, absolutely. There's like a little story there. So this is um a weird deep cut, Ooh. but do you remember in Duelist Kingdom? <laughs> wow, okay, let me yeah. change my brain. Hang on, okay. Yeah, yes. so welcome back to Yu-Gi-Oh, folks. The year is 2006. <laughs> um, in Duelist Kingdom, when Yu-Gi's dueling Weevil, and he's got Cocoon of Evolution on the field, right? Yeah. And Yu-Gi plays Burning Land, which for all intents and purposes, like rules as written, Burning Land just destroys field spells and does 500 damage to each, to everybody, right? Yeah. But I love how that, like, in the anime, um, it destroys the cocoon of evolution. You know, it, like, burns a bunch of weevil shit. Yeah. And I like that um, when you take, this is a really weird extended metaphor, but, like, getting the Magic the Gathering world and putting it in D&D allows shit like that to happen, you know? That, like, you get card interactions that could never happen based on what the cards actually do, you know? So you get a much more, like, narratively satisfying a result whenever you can like take these the mtg like legos you know and build like a D castle with them that's so mixed metaphors all over the place i think that's so interesting to talk of it from that because you know everyone jokes yugi moto doesn't know how to play Oh, but which is true but damn does he put on a show does absolutely does he make does he it tell fun a cool yeah story. exactly yeah. when he stabs the moon with his creature card mm-hmm. like yeah. You don't get that in Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> no. Or, like, when he plays the moon, but then it makes the ocean rise up, you know? that's It's dope. And then all of Mako's monsters are stronger. If you never watched Yu-Gi-Oh!, I'm so sorry. Um, but thanks for hanging on, folks. Wait, I got one more Yu-Gi-Oh! thing to say now, because you did right, bring yeah, yeah, it yeah, bring up. it on. I think that was an amazing point that you made. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pepper you more with it, because Yu-Gi is a character that takes a simple card and pushes it to an extreme. And mm-hmm. even though it's not accurately what the card plays as, narrative storytelling-wise, it's awesome. Like, when he polymerizes the Blue-Eyes White Dragon with the uh, the Ancient Mammoth, and it, like... Oh, yeah, it makes, it, it makes Blue-Eyes decay, yeah. Yeah, like, that doesn't happen. You can't freaking do no. something like that. But if Yu-Gi-Oh! was a D&D game, and mm-hmm. we're talking about, like, old pharaoh monsters then that's something you could do. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Absolutely. Aaron, it's that's True a, Strike. That's what I, it I is. Was, I, was, I wasn't going to bring up True <laughs> Strike. I wasn't going to do it, but you did it. It's True Strike. No, I've come to terms with it because D&D has given us text. 
and similar mm-hmm. to a magic card or a Yu-Gi-Oh card has given us text. I think that we should feel free to explore the text as far as we can go. So Rachel, I hope you're hearing this episode because that's what I'm saying because it's true. It's what they've given us. And that's why we want these crossovers to happen because I think it is only fair for the text to tell a story as far as the text can go. This is going to set precedent for yeah. <laughs> the rest of our D&D campaign. It has been 43 sessions, yeah. 43 episodes of us of Josh being like no, you can't cast true strike. Yes. No, no, please stop. And now in this is a pivotal. This feels like a Supreme Court, you know, case i was um i was visited by the ghosts of shadowfell the ghost of shadowfell past yes. present and yet to come past present and future and yeah. they they told me uh, uh they showed me my ways and they showed me my future and then i woke up and i said what day is it and they're like it's topher crinkleneck day and i was like oh mary shingle star uh, i can't do this this is alana bless us alana bless, bless us everyone we're just gonna say i was visited by three ghosts and i saw the error in my ways yes wow i know granted true strike is still a cantrip yes you know? and so it is adjusted accordingly but i do think it's neat to like use it for what it says it can do yeah you know besides just the mechanical side and don't worry i've thought of the justification of making it a cantrip. Like, I figured out wow. how to stretch it. And, well, you know, we haven't tried it yet. We'll see if it actually works. That's true. But I That's figured out how to stretch it, but still keep it within the realm of it is a cantrip that you don't have to make a check on whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. That's very cool. It's great. We've learned a lot this episode already. I'm just telling you right I now. I know. this. We've gone so, so many places I know. Here. So I thought that maybe we could just have a quick... A quick little ranking here within ourselves, or mm-hmm. our top threes, our top threes. I'm wondering if we could do top three core books we want to see as MTG sets, and then the other mm-hmm. way around. Let us start with, uh, do we want to start core books to MTG set? I could go first since I just sprang this on you. Yes, the... yeah, Okay. please. Here we go. So, I've already said Curse of Strahd. Yes. Number two, I'm actually going to say Icewind Dale. Ooh. And this is because I love call time so much. Yes. That I th- <laughs> the crossover there would be great. Like I would just love to see a a very frosty and horror um mm-hmm. MTG set cuz honestly and of course the getting to see the magic card three kobolds in a trench coat. Yeah. Aaron, you've broken the illusion. That's all that I actually wanted to say. I know. I just I'm so sorry. In a trench coat. <laughs> but no, that is something I want to see. And lastly, this is a wish. I don't know how in the near future it is, but depending on how the prime TV show goes, I would like to see Wildmount. Oh, that would be cool. A little critical role moment. And that is one where there is a lore in D&D that is so fresh in everybody's mind like mm-hmm. basically the majority of people who play D&D know critical role yes are aware of it and that would be awesome oh at the very least you're aware of it yeah yes it would be awesome to see those characters as MTG cards so mm-hmm. we'll see how this prime show changes things I never thought about that but now I'm thinking like well I'm gonna play you know my human monk you know Beauregard Lionette yeah <laughs> and I'm gonna fuck your shit up oh it'd be so much fun oh I love it I love yeah. it so much all right. That would be cool. Yourself. Mono blue. Mo- Final answer. But really? Oh, no. I think, mug. I think like gr- cobalt soul. I, there's got to be another color. I don't think of uh, bow is just blue. That's fair. 
I think there's mm. something else in there. I even think it's like blue red, which is interesting because it's not the kind of blue red we usually see. Yes, you know. Yeah. Besides Beauregard becoming a card in Magic, yes, how about sorry. yourself, Aaron? Is there besides the um, Beauregard? Let's card? see. Besides the Beauregard. Beauregard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh no! That was amazing. Regard. No, that was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> um, actually, this is a weird one that just popped into my head. But I would really like to see Descent into Avernus become a really a, a MTG set. Yeah. Oh. Because it's got some. And I know you're gonna be like, "What's happening, Aaron?" But it must just be the vibe of the episode, because it's got so many cool like siege machines, and I think you get a really cool like artifact deck out of Descent into Avernus. I'm sorry, I just picked my uh, jaw <laughs> off of the floor right there. Uh, I what know. What kind of decks I know. did you say? <laughs> Yep, an artifact deck. Interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. good. With vehicles. Yeah. That is that is even a further stretch to hear Aaron say vehicle, <laughs> vehicle artifact decks. Wow. I know. Leave me alone. Ooh, okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Now I'm reeling. But no, I think that's an awesome idea. Mechanically yeah. too is really cool. It's hard. That's like that's like my one big one, you know. And then I know it's not really a source book, but I already mentioned wanting to see like the astral plane. And you could use like ones a... that you've said already too, because we have yeah. mentioned oh, things thank as you. well. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's hard because most of the books that I like to read are just like the rules extensions. Oh, you know, fair. those are like yeah. I don't really go out hunting for more source books than that. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, it never hurts to go back to Ghosts of Saltmarsh, you know? A little, like, spooky pirate adventure I think would be cool. I just – I love pirates, okay? Pirates are awesome. Uh, That's why I love playing 7C. It's a total pirate adventure. It's freaking great. The other way. I was going to say, we got to shift this ship. We can't be sailing in this direction forever. We got to sail the other way. I mean, you never know. What if we keep sailing in one direction? Eventually, we'll end up the other way. That's a good point. Right? Hey, that's what makes us beautiful, ain't it? Do you think that the planes are flat? Sorry. What? Are you a flat planer? (laughs) I'm a flat planer. But I was just thinking, you know, like, to go off of our, can you go to space and reach the astral plane? Yeah. Right? Like, when you imagine your world, like, is it round like the Earth? Or is it, like, flat like a map, you know? This is a question I'll have to think about for a while. Because now you're... Because it is very fantasy map-like. You're you're right. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, we usually, in D&D, we just make a fantasy map, and we're like, and that's the world. And no one ever asks, like, at what point do things wrap around? You know, Or do they? Shit. Oh, this is it's tough. That moment in civilization, you know, when you sail the boat the whole way around the world, and, you re- and the map changes from being 2D to being a globe. I know. Is this Pirates of the Caribbean 3? Like, I'm really trying to... The very same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to look at every land card in MTG when we're finished recording this podcast and see if I see a curve of any kind <laughs> or something. Just give me a sign. <laughs> give me give me something, please. Yes. So, but now the other way around. The MTG yes. in the core book, which I think we got a lot of ones that we definitely want to... Uh, Pluck oh, at sure. here. I know I already mentioned Kamigawa. Yes. And I need it. Yes, Kamigawa I 100%. Need cool cyberpunk Kamigawa. Yeah. Secondly, this is a little bit like what you said, but in reverse. Like, seeing Kaldheim as a core rulebook would be sick as hell. Yeah. Like, there's so many different realms within Kaldheim itself. It's like its own little multiverse. And I just think that they all need to be fleshed out. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, getting to, I think, an adventure in Lit Jara would be the coolest thing ever. Oh. 
I do like the sound of that. And also, I that's on my list of three, so I'll also add in like. Oh, good. We'll we'll double down yeah. on that. Theros is yeah. so cool that the gods are so prevalent in yeah. uh, Theros, unlike other realms. And what I like about Call Time is that the gods are not indestructible. Mm-hmm. So I Definitely. think that adds such a flavor to the world that, like, similar to what Tybalt does, spoiler alert, gods can be killed. <laughs> and I think that just sets how an interesting it, How precedent. is it a spoiler? In what world? I know. I think that was one of our first episodes, so hopefully it's yeah. the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fond, fond times. Around this time last year, pretty pretty close. Oh, my, you're right. Yeah, I forgot. Mm-hmm. I think actually our anniversary is I, I, at time of recording. This is gonna mess things up, but I think the 19th or something of January. Josh, did you forget our anniversary? No, I didn't forget it because it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> but by the time people are listening to this, it's probably already happened. So I got probably, so happy one year anniversary, everybody! Yay! <laughs> We're so good at this. No, what we're going to do is there's going to be an Instagram post or something that already exists being like, happy one-year anniversary, everybody. Right. And boom, we'll be fine. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. No, no problem. Nobody will ever know. No. How will they know? They'll hear us doing this, and they're like, oh, but they already they already celebrated it, so they're fine. They knew. They knew already. Oh, yeah. wow. This is so stressful now. All right. Give me another world uh-huh. so I don't think about it. Meta. Meta, meta, meta. I know. Sorry, sorry. Um, Another world, another world to become a D&D source book. Yeah, I know it's already a plane shift, but like I really do want to see a Zendikar source. That's book. fine. Just I love Zendikar. Also, though, sorry. Oh, now I'm thinking lots of thoughts. Ooh. Call time got me thinking about um, Phyrexia and how that would be a really. You cool took my other one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Woohoo! That's awesome. I live in your brain. Oh, that was great. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome to see to see all that. Or this is super ancient. Um, but Lorwyn, which I've talked about before on the yeah, pod, we have. you know, a plane where like the cycles of night and day shift people, like shift creatures alignment or like certain things go to sleep and then like other creature types wake up would be really cool to see as like a fey wild, like adjacent thing in yeah. like a D and D world. So sorry. I know. Sorry to throw you off your rhythm. No, that's fine. Um, I'll give you what's on your I'm list. I'm going to give Josh. you two more then because I'm going to add then I'm going to add. So call time. Definitely. Like yeah, one hundred percent. The next two that I have as official core books in D and D, I would like to see Innistrad. Ah, oh, I wonder about how similar that would be to Van Richten's guide. That was that was yeah. my other thought as well because I understand that that side definitely with um, the Markov family and all mm-hmm. of that is very Strad like. However, right. I think that doing a book. In Innistrad can further the concept of werewolves and monsters as playable races. Definitely. And you know that's something that's that I true. love. I love seeing monsters yes. as playable races. So that's the other thing about Zendikar is that there are vampires on there. Yeah. You know? So, like, play a vampire. Exactly. So play a vampire. Play a werewolf. That's one hope for Innistrad. Be a monster. Also, be weird. I guess I just want, like, a wedding um, adventure book. It doesn't have to be a source book. I just would like the um, oh. the wedding of Crimson Vow. To be like yeah. an adventure or something like mm-hmm. that, because that's just such a cool setting to do a wedding. I, I mean, you know me. I love any encounter where you get to do like a formal affair, any sort of like we're going, we're infiltrating a ball, you know, or it's like a coronation ceremony. And like, I think it's because I love subterfuge. Oh, and so like those oh, are oh, just oh. like perfect. I love subterfuge and I love getting dressed up. So. Yeah. Any chance to do that in D&D, I am all over. Totally. It. Get up dressed in that, like, Chandra outfit that she has on, that beautiful yes. red gown, and try not mm-hmm. to kiss Soren. 
you know, I think that's like two very important things. <laughs> I mean, there are but two goals in life. Get really dressed up and try not to kiss a vampire. Okay, you know what? Now I got to tell this story quickly before I send my last plane. So I recently right. taught um, a friend of mine guitar. And he was like, hey, you're doing this for free, so I want to give you something. And he gave me 25 packs of, he like, Crimson Vow cards. No, sorry. <laughs> which is basically, like, giving me a kiss. 25! Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. And I, I decided to bring it to do a little um, card opening with my commander group. And uh-huh. uh, I was like, hey, everybody, I just want to give these cards out. And I laughed because the person to my right, the first card they drew was the only card that I wanted, which was Soren the Mirthless. Oh. And now this person, I'm going to do whatever it takes to trade that sword and the mirthless to myself. This could only happen to you. It Josh. could only happen to me. I didn't think it would have gotten drawn. So kind and so giving. It's a mythic oh, rare. Damn. I just didn't think it was gonna happen. Like I didn't think right? that mythic rare was gonna get drawn. Yeah. But w- I talked to him, and he said, "Next time we get together to play Commander, we'll discuss." So by the time you're listening to Wait. this, I probably will have Soren, which is good. God, I hope Because so. it's, it's got to go. I'm my manifesting black... that for you. Thank you, Aaron. I, just picture my black-white Lisa commander deck needs that life gain mechanic on it through Soren. Mm-hmm. That's all. Just for put sure. that on the universe. Soren and his best friend, Vito. Oh, yes. Players. Vito. And then, of course, like my favorite card from Call Time, Righteous Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. Like, just like the yeah, perfect I engine. Yeah, I fucking hate that card. Oh, God. Sorry. My Vito Righteous. We just earned our explicit ranking today. Yay. Be happy. Not, as I've already said in the pod, Vito and Righteous Valkyrie is just a perfect engine. It's so good. It's evil. It's so awesome. It's absolutely evil. But speaking of evil doings, this is a set mm-hmm. that hasn't come out yet. But I've already got a hint of what it's going to be. The set that I want is the Streets of New Capenna. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited for that set. So cool because, well, first off, in a magic set, it's really bringing Triomes back. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of been since Akoria that we've gotten cards that are major in the Triome theme. So that's going to be dope. But more importantly... Triome being three color for all you, you know, all you following along at home. Yeah, a city built by angels... Now run by three color demon crime families. Mm-hmm. Like what a cool yes. world! Like it's almost like you're in like a blade of uh, blades in the dark. Yeah. world. Sort of blades in the dark. Yeah. Yeah, and I would love to see just like oh, you work for this crime family and you have to dismantle this other one. I don't know. That could be a cool D and D adventure. Right Again, there. subterfuge. Yes. Getting dressed up. You know, it's like very noir. Would be awesome to play like a really cool investig that's a great another sorry i'm like all over the place another great adventure for my inquisitive road yay okay so then we're gonna hope for that set because we're gonna make it and if not screw it we run a one shot in the world and we do exactly what we did for strixhaven because we did that before the content was released so what what we're we're gold which you would never know because the finale uh you know it's taken but the first part came out beforehand yes that's so you know it's it's perfect. We're we're in the right mm-hmm. there. Awesome. <laughs> well, we got a lot to be looking forward to, and I'm very Absolutely. excited to see what happens. Mm-hmm. But my friends, you don't have to wait to draw the right card. You can like and subscribe to the Dungeons and Gatherer podcast right now and get that card advantage on what's coming up in the world of D and D and MTG. And follow us on Instagram. Yes, at D and D Gatherers. Yeah. Do 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 do